with Vanessa Caruso, a monthly offering from Table Radio. This month in our Rooted series, we look at having transforming faith. Enjoy! Hi, this is Vanessa, and I am going to reflect a bit on Andy's sermon on Sunday, looking at the core longing that we're working with for a couple weeks at the table, and then also just share a few ideas for how I'm thinking it looks to practice this core longing. And let me read that core longing again for us. We long for an inward growing faith that we might internalize the truths of scripture and grow in our knowledge of the living God through study, prayer, community, sacraments, and personal devotion. So we long for an inward growing faith that we might internalize the truths of scripture and we do it through these spiritual disciplines or practices. And Andy's sermon on Sunday, he used a couple of verses from Romans 12 about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice and not being conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. And he talked a bit about the self-help industry that is booming for a reason, because we are found wanting <laughs> and in need. And he offered his own seven steps to transformation, which I'm a sucker for steps. So I loved it. So there was, there were a lot in there. They kind of covered the whole gamut, those steps, but the ones that really caught my attention that I thought I would focus on today are step six and seven, take off your clothes, you know, the old self. And then about not being conformed to this world. And then step seven, put on Christ. And those are really evocative ideas to me because I have been thinking lately about this call in discipleship, not only to invest in the right things, but to divest of the wrong things. Um, So not only to think about what am I putting my time and energy into, but to not take for granted that we can't just keep adding all this stuff, but that there are times to let go of or consciously get rid of or resist. Andy used the word resist. And I do really think that's an important part of discipleship, but not one that I have quite the same imagination for, you know, to have a whole step devoted to putting, putting off um, or taking off your clothes or your ways. So I was really drawn to that verse in Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And how Andy said that we're formed either way, just that reality that we, we are being formed either way. And so what does it look like to intentionally resist being conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? The premise is really what Andy ended with, which is that change is possible. That's such a simple sentence, but what it reminded me of is that there's this philosopher who summed up Genesis this way. He said, in the beginning was relationship. In the beginning was relationship. And that is the summary of the beginning of the Bible, which I just love. And Andy's line, change is possible. I thought that sounds like a summary of the Bible too. It could be the gospels with God coming as a human and living and dying and living. 
or it could be the book of Revelation. You know, that's a way of saying change is possible, which is kind of radical, actually, to imagine that God is at work renewing the world and us, and that change is actually possible not only in the distant future, but right now. So I love that idea that change is possible. And an example of a new way that I'm thinking about resisting conforming to this world. That's a mouthful, but this is kind of a new thing. I'm reading a book about the desert fathers and mothers, and they're pretty mysterious sometimes because there's a lot of parables. But listen to what Abba Isaiah says. (laughs) Uh, It's so interesting. He says, nothing is so useful to the beginner as insults. The beginner who bears insults is like a tree that is watered every day. The beginner who bears insults is like a tree that is watered every day. I was so surprised by that because I've, you know, been rehearsing Psalm 1 by heart since maybe our leadership retreat or something. And it talks about a tree that is well watered and whose leaves do not perish and um, in all that they do, they prosper. And, but I've never heard that imagery around bearing insults. And it stood out to me because another psalm I've been working on talks about, um, or maybe it's actually Isaiah, <clears throat> I did not hide my face from insults and spitting. And that kind of language does happen a lot in the Bible about not turning away from insults. So I've been thinking about this for a little bit, and I feel like it is an example of resistance to a way, a pattern of the world that is not of God. So this is how I've been thinking about it. So I don't experience many actual insults because of white privilege and personality privilege and my false self in that I try to make sure nobody ever insults me about anything, which is not holy at all. It's actually idolatrous. So I don't actually experience a ton of insults, but how I'm thinking about it is like when something injures my ego, when there's a little tear or a bump or run into my ego because of a relational situation or something someone says or does or something I'm anxious about or, you know, some failure of my own, when there's a tear to my ego, a little rift or an injury, my instinct, and I think this is the instinct of the world, is to fix it as soon as possible, like to smooth it out, to get back to normal, quote unquote normal, um, to say, we're going to move past this and not ever have to deal with that again, to tell myself, I will not do the thing again that caused that. Um, You know, basically to just quick fix to return to what was. And now because of this weird parable about the beginner who bears insults is like a tree that is watered every day, I've been thinking that maybe those little rifts and tears and bumps into my ego are actually really um, valuable opportunities to become a little more securely attached to God and to have my identity, like my true identity, like capital I identity, more securely attached um, to God and to what's real and true than in all the little ways it is. So um, 
it's kind of like, it feels to me like in, instead of trying to fix or address or move past or smooth over things that happen that cause me distress, that there's this, there's this opportunity to say, okay, I'm like three stitches freer now. You know, three stitches got pulled away and I'm feeling that discomfort and I'm that much freer right now for God to do the work of securing my identity in God. And so that is, I hope that's relatable. (laughs) That's just one little example I've been thinking about in a practical way about what it can look like to put off our old self or to not be conformed to this world is to see injury, insult, little run-ins with our ego as these opportunities, like these time-sensitive moments to say, God, I feel like my identity is a little bit more up for grabs and I want you to grab it. Like I'm opening myself up to you in this. Um, Spiritual disciplines in general are a form of resistance to the world and patterns of the world. And maybe part of renewing our minds is deciding to change our minds about their usefulness. Like I was thinking, you know, silence is definitely an affront uh, or an insult to the productive self, the self that wants to feel useful and busy. And Sabbath, man, Sabbath is resistance to a system of anxiety and acquisition at so, on so many levels. Walter Brueggemann wrote an amazing book called Sabbath as Resistance, where he talks about this and basically says, um, you know, God rested on the seventh day, which means God is not a workaholic and God is not anxious about the full functioning of creation. And therefore, if we are operating as if life depends on our endless work, then something is wrong. Uh, it's a it's such an amazing book. So that's one of my ideas is to read Sabbath Has Resistance and to just reopen this topic of Sabbath. Um, we've been talking about it at the table for a long time, but I ke- need to keep talking about it because I go through spurts of seasons where I am intentional about uh, having some Sabbath dynamics one day a week. And then, you know, I don't anymore. So I think revisiting Sabbath is a great practical application to these, to Andy's step six and seven about taking off our clothes and putting on Christ, like putting a stop. Um, And another practical application Andy talked about, and we've been talking about at the table a lot lately, is our engagement with scripture. So that's the last thing that I thought I would just riff on. We are, all last month we talked about um, being Christ-centered and word-focused and ways to do that more regularly. And that this is another topic that I feel like I can't get old for me, which is talking about and sharing how are we, you know, putting on Christ? Like how are we putting ourselves into the position of, of letting scripture actually shape us and transform us? 
And so I have another quote from the monastic desert people that is, is really helpful in this way because they did believe that the regular hearing and repeating of the words and images of scripture over a long period of time has, you know, a powerful capacity to shape us and to transform us. So here is an example of that. I, I love this way of thinking about engaging with scripture. It's a different kind of way. So uh, another desert father says, the nature of water is soft, that of stone is hard. But if a bottle is hung above the stone, allowing the water to fall drop by drop, it wears away the stone. So it is with the word of God. It is soft and our heart is hard. But the person who hears the word of God often opens her heart to the fear of God. But the person who hears the word of God often opens her heart to the fear of God. And I love that way of thinking about being with scripture because there's so much pressure sometimes we associate with reading our Bibles. Like, what are we going to choose? What are we going to feel? Is it working? Do we hate it? Do we love it? What's our emotional reaction? Are we going to understand it? Does it even make a difference? All of these questions hinder us from doing what this image talks about, which is saying, don't worry about all of that. <laughs> Just be like a stone. All you have to do is be like a stone and let it fall on you in drops, like small, almost imperceptible drops, and let that be enough. And for me right now in life, that's really encouraging to think, okay, I'm going to lower the bar to a really keepable point, which is I want to be dripped on by scripture as regularly as possible and trust that God is doing a work of transformation in me through that, even if I cannot perceive it or see fruits of it immediately. So a few things that help me kind of stay in that mindset, that renewal mindset of being dripped on is to have a spirit of experimentation when it comes to reading the Bible. Like I find I go through seasons where I need to change things up because I'm just not doing it anymore. And we're just all at different stages of life and we have different personalities and different hangups. So I think it's important to bring kind of a spirit of experimentation to our spiritual disciplines. So for me, for a season, I've, I've really loved following the lectionary because I like picking up the little black book of common prayer, finding the day of the week in the right week in the liturgical calendar and it giving me these different things to read from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from the New Testament, and then flipping through my Bible to find it because there's just something kind of fun about not knowing what's coming next. It helps me hear with fresh ears whatever the scriptures are that day. So currently that's, that's my, my best way of being dripped on, <laughs> like of being regularly in scripture. But probably second best is having some community around scripture. Um, so finding, we all have communities of different sorts, some more than others, I recognize though. So we might be part of a midweek group or neighborhood table, or we might have roommates, or we might have friends that we feel comfortable talking about this stuff with. But 
finding ways to have um, some accountability in the sense of like, we're going to show up for this amount of time. It can be as short as a half an hour and we're going to read something and sit with it, you know, stuff like that can make all the difference. As many of us know, I'm part of a couple book clubs. And even though I had great intentions, like most people in the book club, we do our readings before the book club. <laughs> um, and it's not because we're, we're inauthentic. It's because we're conformed to bad things <laughs> and we don't do what we want to do. And so showing up on Zoom for, you know, the conversation is the impetus I need to do what I actually said I would do and what I want to do. So experimentation is key to me for engaging with scripture community of some sort, even if it's, uh, even if you don't have anyone to kind of be accountable with or to share with on a regular basis, like, you know, the last thing that really stirred you in scripture or something like that. There are ways I've psyched myself out in terms of accountability. Like if I have a practice that I want to do at night, for example, like um, to do a mini examine, if I if I print out, you know, seven pages or I write in my journal number one through seven, it's kind of this little way that I've, I've said, okay, remember, even if you don't feel like it, you thought this was a good idea to, to fill this out seven days in a row, just answer what I'm grateful for. So there are, so if we can get to know ourselves, to know what works for us in, in order to help us stay regular, that is great. I'm sure this is plenty long enough. I'm not sure how practical it was. Just to recap, reading Sabbath as resistance is radical. I mean, um, it's really amazing. So that's one idea. Another idea is, I guess, to see insults or injuries, you know, in that way of these opportunities, like where our we're up for grab. I don't know what that's called in sports analogies, but that just came to mind. Like, I don't know when people get drafted and then there's these people that are like free agents or something and someone can claim them when we're distressed and we've had an ego thing happen to us. There is an op It feels like limbo between conformation to the world and transformation by God. And that is a valuable moment in time to say, God, I want to go towards you. Get me. Get me quickly. Free me from what is not real. And then uh, seeing scripture reading as a drop of water over time, slowly wearing down a stone. And nothing more than that, if that's helpful, as a way to get into it regularly. Okay, those are my ideas. Thanks for listening. For listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, BC. Our mission together is to love God, Blessed love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors, so that we may see God Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Williamson, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, 
please go to tablechurch.ca. In the darkness of our sin, your light breaks forth like dawn. We rejoice in the King.